You're listening to Crystal and Emily on Love Your Shelf, the best librarian podcast in the extensive and highly competitive field of librarian podcasts. Hello. Hello. So we are on episode 4.7 of Love Your Shelf, and it's me, Crystal, here, and I have a special guest today um, who has the distinction of having been a guest before and was on the most listened to episode that we ever had, (laughs) and that's Amy. Hello. It's very nice to be on again. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes. So last time she talked to bodice rippers, <laughs> which is one of my favorite terms ever. Um, but we're going to switch it up a little bit this time and talk about some nonfiction. Yes. And Emily is on vacation. So I am very sad about that because we're actually meeting in person to do this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I love Emily, her funny laugh. My laugh isn't as good as hers. So you can just try to do hers just try to mimic her it's impossible (laughs) yeah I can't do it either but we will still be funny probably absolutely I mean ideally well I'm gonna let Amy start and talk about the nonfiction that she's read and then we'll move on I mean if she leaves me any time (laughs) then I will talk about some things I've read and then uh, we'll wrap up with some other odds and ends. Nice. Well, I'll just start out by saying that I uh, found TikTok last year and Book Talk has just been my obsession. Um, I found some really great book talkers that are nonfiction book talkers. And so I feel like every book they recommend is going to be a five-star read for me because they know my taste perfectly. So I have decided to read more nonfiction this year than I ever have. I usually read maybe three nonfiction books a year. Oh, that's a big uh, switch. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so far I've read 14 this year, so oh. it is it is huge. I, I love fiction because I read to escape, and the escapism isn't to be found in nonfiction. You have to realize this is the reality that you're reading about, <laughs> and sometimes it's terrible things you're reading about. So, I think uh, that's the tricky part with yeah. nonfiction, and that's why I think a lot of people don't necessarily read it. And I was the same. I only ever read fiction until I started working for the library, and I selected all of the nonfiction. So, uh, um, as reference being part of my duties. So, yeah. So I ended up that. I kind of flip-flopped and completely now, you know, read a lot more nonfiction than otherwise. But there's so many different things yes. in nonfiction, just like with fiction. But, um, you know, if I'm not into, I don't know, space or, you know, they're, <laughs> so they're so particular, you have kind of have, you can you want it to be something that is by somebody who's a great writer yes. and all that kind of stuff. But it also has to be your interest exactly Mm -hmm. and then you have to have like thoughts and opinions about the things you read like even discerning if it's true or not because the world we live in today anyone can write anything so you really have to think about it and so nonfiction, you have to think in a different way because you're really thinking about world issues and Mm -hmm. not just space like I don't know why that was the first thing but (laughs) it is true it is true so uh, I started reading nonfiction in January and started really hard with Empire of Pain The Secret History of the Sackler Dynasty by Patrick Keefe 
And if you don't already hate the Sackler family, read this book and you will definitely hate them. It's about uh, the Purdue Pharma. They're the family that owns Purdue Pharma and they distribute Oxycontin and were the cause of the opioid pandemic. And it was intense. It's not just like, oh, they're so bad now. Like generationally, this oh. family has just been slime. So <laughs> it was just, it really got to me. And it was really a good book to start with because once I got into it, I couldn't put it down. And it was very interesting. Um, I also read Hood Feminism, mm. Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. And I really enjoyed that book. Uh, I, I think she had so many really important things to say. Uh, then I went to A Carnival of Snackery. It's <laughs> David Sedaris's diary entries from like 2003 to 2020. And if you are going to read nonfiction, I highly recommend you read some funny people in there. Yes. Absolutely, because it is definitely fun. I laughed so hard at some of the parts of this book that I cried. It was hilarious. The best thing about the humor memoir kind of thing is it's really almost always the author that's reading it, which is great. It's great. With David Steris, it's beyond great (laughs) because he just, he knows exactly the intonation. He has a funny voice. He does. And in this book, he has um, Tracy Ullman, for some reason, do all of the chapters where he's in England. And, of course, she's a woman. And it just makes for just a delightful, like, switch up, you know, between, you know, he's telling stories about the United States and France and then... We jump over to the pond, and it's Tracy Ullman. Here's Tracy it. making yeah. just a mess of everything. Yes. No, it was hilarious, and I did listen to it on audiobook, so it was especially oh, thanks for funny. clarifying that. Yeah. You do it was especially it funny because of that. It doesn't that. happen when you read the book yourself. So. <laughs> but I think he actually created that book for audiobook because mm-hmm. he does make fun of his own voice. Mm-hmm. He does say things in it that you're like, if I read this in a print, version i wouldn't have gotten that joke as well so mm-hmm. yeah, the audiobook is amazing yeah yeah the the first audiobook i ever listened to except for like records of fairy tales when i was a child uh was uh, me talk pretty one day like uh, his first one, book that he um i guess his first famous book yeah and uh and he read it and i was i loved it <laughs> but then when you start at that level you know it kind of goes downhill from there because not every book is going to be that good when it's an audio. Absolutely. In fact, there are lots of books that the audio was bad, and so I couldn't listen to it. Yeah. Well, I fall in love with the people reading the audiobook. I'm terrified that the person that reads the Outlander series, something will happen to Davina her. Davina Porter. Yes, because <laughs> I she is Claire's voice to me in mm-hmm. so many ways. And that, everybody's. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She's amazing. She's she another is. one that if you listen to anything else – that's especially with so many different characters. Yes. With different accents. I know. There's and you know and how she's it is. Talking through the man's view and everything and but you are with her the, mm-hmm. from the first word. It's yeah. some kind of magic <laughs> that she should read all of those kinds of books. Yes, for sure. yes. Well, uh, after David Sedaris, I then went hard again <laughs> with Cast the Origins oh, of Our Discontent yeah. by Isabel Wick- Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. And it was a hard read. I mean, beautifully written, such an important work. But I had to pull away from it and, like, read a romance novel in the <laughs> middle of it just to, like, 
get away from the depression that it was bringing because it it's so good and it's something that needed to be written so badly but I it was really hard to read Mm -hmm. but I loved it I think everyone should read it it's been on so many like you know must read lists and stuff I can understand why it's important it is and her another of her books that was from a few years ago was also like that and and now I can't think of the title, so why did I mention it? But um, everything she writes is great, yeah. And it's and it's always like something that's seminal. That you know, it's it's not just that she's a good writer, but it, there she's writing about something that really needs to be examined, discussed, yeah. in in the workplace and every place that you are, like everywhere. Yes. Well, because it was such a rough book to read, I mainly went to Wow, No Thank You. It were <laughs> essays by Samantha Irby, who is as hilarious as David Sedaris, <laughs> and loved that so much. Uh, that was when I realized this is what you're going to have to do with nonfiction. You mm-hmm. can read something that is going to break your heart for the whole world and then you can read something that is just gonna make you giggle and laugh and at the same time you'll learn something so Mm -hmm. it was good then there's a through line in those funny ones that they're self-deprecating yes very much very very much you know just like well you have to laugh at yourself or you'll cry your eyes out if you didn't it's like (laughs) it's so good it's so good yeah Well, the next one I read is very out of character for me. I'm not into self-help books at all. I I think I'm I put them on some lower level of the book I echelon. Have a tendency to do yeah, that too. which isn't nice, but I had so many uh book talkers talk about this book that I read The Untethered Soul: The Journey oh, Beyond yeah. Yourself by Michael Singer. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this book did something to blow my mind in that he tells you that you don't have to listen to that voice inside your head that actually it's giving you really bad advice. <laughs> and uh, Jane Eyre is one of my favorite books from when I was really little. And there's a quote that uh, Charlotte Bronte says that the still small voice, which interprets the dictates of conscience. And I've mm. lived with that line my whole life, like listening to what I'm telling myself in my head is so important because it's guiding me. And that's a lie. That little voice is not telling you good things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 52 years old and I can tell you, it has given me consistently bad advice <laughs> on everything because it's not coming at it from a place of pure logic we always think that that's kind of how it is but it's informed by your stuff that you don't even Random. remember exactly you know? yeah. exactly and you know i i would find myself after i read that book you know i would mess up something at work and be like oh you're so stupid and i would be like <laughs> why are you listening to that if a if a human being came up and said you're stupid you would be like get away from me but you're letting <laughs> that thing in your head say that don't listen to it anymore you yeah. know and it really changed the way i think about things and now i actually talk to myself more than i did before but most of the time it's like you can shut up now yeah Yeah. I'm not even listening to you you can (laughs) shut up now but if if we ever hear you like (laughs) Amy spends lots of time in the library so if we hear her from somewhere around we'll know that she's talking to the voice exactly it's 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 totally safe everyone's safe (laughs) uh but I also read 
The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. And actually, I saw Crystal had read it, so Mm -hmm. that's why I got it. And I loved that book on so many levels. It made me recall my pregnancies, and it was just really poignant and just all of the things that she was talking about. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was just wonderful. I really loved it. Well, when I read that, um, which was recently, and in fact, I'm going to talk about one of her other books. Oh, good. Today, um, I saw that her partner is Harry Dodge, and I was like, that's familiar to me. Um, and it turns out I looked up uh, their, you know, biography or whatever. And uh, they were in a movie back in the 90s. Wow. Yeah. Um, Cecil B. Demented. Oh, and I let me remember that movie. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. And so um, I, I went and rewatched it. And I have to, you know, give you the caveat that if you're not... Uh, John um, Waters Waters fan. I knew that's where it was yes. going. Yeah. Don't go and watch that movie and then and feel betrayed <laughs> by me. You go if you don't if you're not familiar with John Waters, dip your toe in and see if that seems like something that you're going to want to watch and then watch it and enjoy it. But because um, it's bonkers. Uh-huh. But Harry Dodge was in that. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I did enjoy that book. And I remember thinking as I was, I need to find more books by this woman. She is speaking in voices that I want to hear more of. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also read Rock My Soul, Black People and Self-Esteem by Bell Hooks because she recently passed away. And so I'm just on a Bell Hooks kick and just wonderful. The writing is wonderful. It's so poignant today, you know, decades later. I, I can't say enough good things about Bell Hooks. Um, I also read In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. It oh. was a book recommended on TikTok. It's a big book on, on BookTok. And uh, it was absolutely wonderful. I, I can't even talk about it because I'll start crying. Because <laughs> oh, wow. it is so wonderful and good. And uh, I, I just, just read it. Just go and read it. You'll, I have yeah. not... I haven't heard of this. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually got it off Libby. Um, Uh Yeah, and I read it in one sitting. I couldn't put it down because I was just mesmerized by it. But that's what I'm saying about book talk. It's like once they get your algorithm right, Mm. the people suggesting things to you, they it's almost like they can get inside your head and know exactly what you need at that very particular moment. I've been trying to curate my book talk, but I think my other in like other things that I'm interested in. Your other it's weird. confusing them <laughs> because I haven't cut, kind of like gotten it exactly right yet, but yeah. I'm working on it. So I'm, I'm following cool. more book talkers for sure. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't get enough of it, but yeah, some of my weird stuff creeps in, but <laughs> that's why you can just swipe it. Away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very it's nice. not going to hurt you, you know, it's just, but the last book that I read, I actually, uh, it was also something you had read that I'd seen, and it's called Overdue, oh, yes. Reckoning with the Public Library by Amanda Oliver. And first of all, I need to ask you, are you okay? <laughs> I am so worried about librarians after reading this that I was shocked on a lot of things. I think the main thing I was shocked about is that librarians are not considered first responders mm-hmm. when I just never dreamt that that was true. I, I think of the library as the first place to go if you need help. And mm-hmm. I know during hurricane evacuations, things, 
library staff is they're manning those centers they're answering those phones they're giving the information so it was strange to me i, I felt betrayed by the system because yeah. the, for thinking that the librarians aren't first responders just was not a concept i was ready to even be faced with because it was obvious that you are but just the other things in it i i think it it must be such a stressful job where i just show up at the library and browse the books and you know take home things <laughs> and i'm so happy but y'all are really doing services in the community that go unrecognized and are you okay think- <laughs> crystal today okay yeah. good <laughs> no and and i felt by that book i'm you know and i discussed it briefly before but um that her tone was a little bit off because uh. i i feel like at least here all the the librarians that i know it is a calling for those yes. people and so all of that stuff that's negative yes we want things to be better because part of what makes us have to fulfill that role is because of the lack of other roles in society to care for the people that we're, that are coming here. And so we want that yes. 100%. Yes. That would be the best thing. But um, filling in and having to, you know, take on those stressors, that's just part of it. You know, that's just what we do. And so it's not, you know, we have our days. Yeah. I was just saying, like, you know, sometimes we'll be bombarded with with things and then just be, you know, is it, is it a full moon? Like, well, you know, <laughs> what what's going happening? on? What's yeah. And anybody that works in the public service, I think, has those very similar experiences. But it has been, in the last few decades, an increasing challenge because of the lack of other social services. Absolutely. And so one of the things that um, several years ago I read about, I think it was in San Francisco, that it had they had hired a social worker, uh-huh. and it was everybody just thought, well, why? What's going on? Well, you know, why would you need that? And then, I mean, within two years, they're everywhere. And we've had social work interns. We try to That's continue wonderful. to have them yeah. because people need referrals to the basic stuff that there is. Yeah, um, and there's not enough. And the first place anyone goes is a public library Mm -hmm. when they need help, not just with their book report, but with life events. I deal a lot more with um, job applications (laughs) and and like financial information and tax stuff than I do with book reports, honestly. I mean, there's still those things. Yes. But yeah, it's there's a lot more. And of course, the digital age left a bunch of people behind, you know, so not as much now, but 10 years ago when I started um, as a public librarian, there were just people who had never touched a mouse or interacted with a computer. I mean, a computer mouse. Yeah, so, I'm like, I don't know in about my head, I'm still, I'm, I'm still in that in-between age, so a mouse <laughs> automatically means something else. But then I'm like, no, she's talking computers. Yes. It's fine. Yeah. So I can't tell you how many people I've taught how to use a mouse. And, yeah, I remember the world before computers. Yeah. But I was young enough that I, you know, became pretty almost native to that, you know. But, um, yeah, so those people in a digital age struggled mightily. Like they, you know, they needed somebody to really, really, really help them. And also being a public place, you know, that includes the public. So (laughs) Amazingly (laughs) enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that shocking. But, um yeah, the book made me think of, there's a movie called The Public, made by Emilio Estevez, 
about um, it's fictional, but it's about the, the problems that, that I I face. remember the trailer for that movie and thinking, ooh, this looks so good, but I don't think I ever saw it. Yeah, it it didn't. It wasn't widely released. It wasn't a huge hit or anything, but um, that movie in particular deals with. Uh, I want to say it's in like Cincinnati or something, um, and it's very very like minus ten degrees oh, cold there. And there's a huge homeless population, and in the movie, they um, barricade themselves in the library and said, we're not going to go out. It's warm in here. We're not leaving. Where as any human being would do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I because mean, if you're being treated as were... a human being, that is, it just makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And so in that, that, you know, false or that, you know, fictional situation, it brought to light all of these players that have a say or have a role in how that kind of thing gets handled um so it's worth it's worth a watch but yeah but the book um she only worked as a public librarian like yeah. nine, less than a year it, nine yeah exactly and uh, and she had been a school librarian and school librarians have their own very real set of of issues of as issues. well yeah it's just a little bit different but yeah i i i felt like um, yes, it's a struggle, but um, that maybe there could have been more of the the love. Love for your it. job, yeah. And not everybody is cut out for it, yeah. You know, which I'm not cut out for doing <laughs> other things for sure. <laughs> and I don't know that I'm cut out for it. I have days. Today was one that like it started off pretty rough. Wow. But um, you know, here it is, the end of the day, and I get to do something else that I love to do. Something so. fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that is my most recommended ones uh, right. that I've read, and I'd love to hear what nonfiction you've been Yeah, so up. I read Maggie Nelson's book um, called Red Parts, Autobiography of a Trial, and uh, it's about the unsolved murder case of her mother's sister true crime yes i love it and so it went her the case went unsolved for 35 years oh wow and so she never knew her her aunt but um you know she talks in the book about her mother's connection and and then having to go to court to face this person that they finally you know locate after all these years and that because she had been it was like a very strange kind of um everything coming together for her because uh, Maggie Nelson had been writing a book of poetry about her aunt oh, wow. um, called Jane, a murder. And it was about to be published when they find this guy. And so she actually gets drawn in by the detectives because she'd done all of this research and they wanted to know what she might have unearthed. Oh, so she, she gets this. she helped solve the crime? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's yes. beautiful. It is. It's very good. Um, and just knowing the her writing style, I mm. bet it's just wonderful. Yeah, the whole book. Yeah, and she's very raw. She talks about uh -huh. all the emotions, and you really feel the empathy connection. You know, um, and so you know, it made me think about um, true crime. <laughs> you know, there's this, the joke of you know, like that women love true crime, but if you see like a puppy that's abused, you know, you're just bawling, but. <laughs> You just like gleefully listening to yeah. a podcast about true crime or watching yeah. it, <laughs> uh, and you know I I saw something recently, and I've often thought this too, is that yeah I think that women 
And then I'm speaking for myself. Uh-huh. Okay. So I. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start over, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, I think, watch and listen to that stuff because it is like, what would I do? Uh-huh. Because I think women do have this shadow over them of violence or, Absolutely. you know, the, these things that can happen. And so it's like, well, I know I'm not going to live in this kind of place. And if I'm walking in the park, I'm going to do this, you know. Uh And also, like, hearing about all of the possible things that could happen, it's more of a, you know, girding yourself with with knowledge instead of taking in, you know, a pleasure in it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's how you feel about it or not. Well, uh, my grandmother used to say if I was scared of something like, say, Bigfoot, which amazingly enough, I was scared of a lot as a child, but uh, she would be like, (laughs) East Texas. Yeah. She was like, think of the worst thing Bigfoot could do to you and be like, he could kill me because he's big. (laughs) And she'd be like, okay. And then, you know, then you're dead. Okay, let's move on now. And so it's like thinking of the worst thing that could happen to you actually eases your mind in some way because you feel prepared for that in a way. It's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the the high that I get when I listen to, like, true crime podcasts. But I want a resolution. I don't know uh, if that's just the way my brain works. I don't want months from now to start thinking about it again. I mm-hmm. want them to tell me who killed them. I want that person in jail or yes. dead or whatever. I just – I want it all resolved at the end. Yeah. Those uh, are the best and, ones, yeah, for sure. So I have to be really careful with true crime because if I get drawn into it, I'll become one of those nut jobs that have read every book about that subject and you know i'm i'm there helping the police even though they don't need my help (laughs) yeah i I understand and it made me think about uh, michelle mcnamara's i'll be gone in the dark because it her and these other people that are in this she wrote the book and then passed away and then there was um a documentary made about it and so if you haven't read that you should i don't think i have it's about oh, the Golden State Killer, which was, you know, oh. out there forever and ever. And I have seen it on Book Talk. Yes. I will tell you that immediately. Yeah. As yes. soon as you say Golden State Killer, I'm like, yes. Yeah. So she devoted years of her life. And then it's all these other people as well that were just true crime aficionados. I love how really... you said aficionado and not nutcases because <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. There's a fine line. And I think you were talking about I it. I know. Just a I'm about, scared yeah. of becoming past that fine line yes. yes but you know they were they actually she actually contributed to locating this guy and, and bringing him to justice and so those are the really good ones yeah. right you know that's yeah. the one where regardless what happens and it and they and it also in that um series shows the dark side of it too like these women who had been uh, victimized you know for decades later so they get to see this guy go to prison, and it's like, well, is that enough? I know, yeah. No, it does, doesn't, doesn't <laughs> fix anything. I know, yeah. it's still not It's still terrible. Good. It's yeah. a nightmare. So, um, yeah, there's a lot going on in all of that stuff. It's not yeah. just, you know, a silly thing that, you know, that, that we can make a joke about. Although, Absolutely. Yeah. It is bizarre. Yes. But yes. there's Human a nature. You see so much of human nature in real crime that it is. You're surprised every time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, well, this leads into another kind of um, memoir. And so that I read after this one. It's called um, My Autobiography of Carson McCullers by Jen Shapland. 
And I really like just the title really <laughs> kind of digs into that concept. Like when even when you're reading nonfiction, you're still evaluating it and analyzing it to pull out what's the truth. Right. Yes. And so when you write a, a biography of somebody, um, you are influenced by the things that you know about and that you like and the, what you, you know. Absolutely. How you read that person's life, right? And so Carson McCullers, uh, I was a writer that I loved, um, and she wrote Southern Gothic oh, nice. stories. Yeah. And um, so she had a bunch of papers that were actually at the Ransom Center at UT, um, and Jen Chaplin started digging into them. And um, comes across these things that, in turn, inspired her own self-discovery. Um, because there was a... Carson McCullers, it turns out, struggled with her queerness. And so it becomes this, you know, examination for Chaplin of... Oh, you know, this is making me think about myself, <laughs> My too. life, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so it made me also think about... You know, not just that, how we're impacted by what we read and, you know, take in and and that kind of thing. But also, um, it made me think about, there's kind of a horror. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. um, Somebody coming after you and make, trying to read your life based on what you left behind. Oh, yeah. In written form. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that a terrible thought? It's terrible. That's why people put in their wills, like, burn all my journals when I die. Do not let people read them. Yeah. 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 And not that we think that necessarily we're going to be great enough that people want to read those. (laughs) Just anybody. Because you don't have that control of how it's going to be read. Exactly. Or, We're not David Sedaris. We don't right. get to put the funny parts no. as funny instead of tragic. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. When he's reading the his journals, <laughs> he edited that exactly, <laughs> and it's probably a bunch of other people did too. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of garbage in there. I'm sure. Uh-huh. Not that you know, you that's just what you do. Right? Exactly. But um, when you're a writer, <laughs> but if you're just you know Joe Schmo out here. With your, you know, notes to yourself with your groceries and whatever uh-huh. else uh-huh. that you're using. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm, and it's a horrible thought. But in this case, <laughs> it was great. I'm so happy. Um, yeah. Because there is a, a great, um, you know, tro- uh, treasure trove of information about Carson McCullers. And it also influenced this other writer's life. So Nice. Um. Let's see. So I also want to talk about some other things besides books, as I mentioned. But before we do that, I want to talk about a couple of shows that are uh, based on books. Oh, cool. So we're going to transition, I guess. I like it. Um, So I just started watching last night uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. I did, too. All right. Great. Um, I I watched two episodes. I think that's all there is. Yeah, Yeah. that's all that's out at this point particular point i'm so glad yes. so i want to know what you think about it it was based on a book by the same title by john krakauer who also wrote into the wild um which was made into a movie as well yeah. um it's on hulu and andrew garfield is the um main character basically yeah and i'm not gonna lie i watched it because of andrew garfield because yeah. i think he's just a little cutie and not mm-hmm. like i just think of him as like one of my children and i want him to be successful it's weird <laughs> so whenever i see him in something i'm like i'm gonna watch that just like uh, supporting him but yeah. then within 
I'm not even kidding, 10 minutes of it, I was so drawn in that I was just like, I am going to binge watch this whole thing. But then there were only two episodes, so I had to stop. It was like, oh, I have my life back Mm -hmm. for another week. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's a, it's about, it's a, a murder case that's in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. Um, and so, and it's set, set, it's true, but it's set, <laughs> it, it happened in Utah mm-hmm. and within this uh, Mormon community. And so there's so many things going on. So much. Um, and there's all of these, uh, like, identity politics and, and religious things that have to be dealt with and how... There are like different sects under, you know, under the heading of, uh, you know, these, this religion or whatever. Yes. That different people take different things from it. So there's just a lot to unpack, but it's also like an urgent, like trying to find a killer story. Yes. And so I think it's great so far. I think it, I episodes. think it's great too. And if I would have known it was set in a Mormon thing, I probably wouldn't have just watched it right away. It might have gone on my list, and I would have come across it just because uh, I stay away from religious TV shows. Just yeah. because it, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to learn about a new religion. <laughs> I don't want to disparage any religion. I'm like, eh, I'm just not interested in that. But the thing that kept me hooked was that the editing is so bizarre mm-hmm. that while they're having conversations, they're having flashbacks that are disconnected and disjointed. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, now I have to watch the whole thing because I need to know what that has together. to do with that. And I kind of feel more like a detective too, yes. because I'm seeing what the detective is seeing in his head, so to speak, connecting these people to his real life experience. Yeah. And the editing is amazing. It's, I, I it's brilliant. Just, yeah. And at first, yeah, it is disconcerting and jarring at first, but then you kind of get into the rhythm of it, Uh and you realize that in some scenes it's, like, historical for a hundred years ago. Yes. But how that's impacting these people now. Uh Uh-huh. And then, you know, or it's this man thinking about his own childhood. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's really... It's really good. Yeah, surprisingly good, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I started watching uh, Shining Girls, which is on Apple Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss and Amy oh. Brenneman play daughter and mother, respectively. And it's based on a 2013 book that I have recommended um, on the podcast called Shining Girls by Lauren Bukes. And um, the book at first was one of those that it was really dark. And I put it aside because I didn't want to. I was like, oh, I can't. This is too much. <laughs> I was in a couple the frame years ago. of mind to read yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Or this was last year. But then pushed past it, and it is dark. Yeah. But um, I did see that Stephen King called it the black hole version of the time traveler's wife. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And that's very, very Uh apropos. Um, And then, uh, which, and the time traveler's wife is getting into a series. I saw that, and I actually liked the book. It's a book that was made into a movie, movie which was good. Exactly. And then now it's going to be a series. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. We'll report back on that. Yes, yes. But um, Shining Girls, it's sort of hard to describe it, but it's like a time-traveling serial killer. Wow. And so this... this <laughs> You'd think someone would put a stop to that. Well... <laughs> there, there are going to be agencies in the future regulating that kind of thing, I yes. would think. I would yeah, like I read to a book think. about that recently. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... But Elizabeth Moss is going to be the one who's going to face off against this guy. Ah, what's going to happen. Nice. Um, you can tell. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Even if I hadn't read the book, you can tell. <laughs> They've uh, set it up for you. Yes. 
but you really it's like kind of similar to the other um the under the banner of evan in that there is some disjointedness and you have to work you have to do the work to follow what's going along because um she as an example she's um you know knocks on a door her mother's apartment and somebody else opens it and earlier oh. that day that had been her mother's apartment and so you don't know what's going what on you know? <laughs> yeah. um and then of course there's time travel which is always tricky but so far i think they're doing an interesting job with it um and then there's a i have had a weird um coincidence because I had been watching Russian Doll. Uh-huh. And I think there's only seven or eight episodes. And I watched them all last week. And it was the second season of it. Uh-huh. Um, have you watched any of this? I haven't, but it is on my list of yeah. things to watch. Yeah, It's another one you have to work. And it got a little silly in the second season. But um, <laughs> it's another time travel type thing. Oh, wow. And basically in that story, um, Natasha Leone is the main character. And she dies but then comes back to the same moment or the same day before she had died and then this keeps happening and she realizes that she can try to make things different and not die okay (laughs) and so that is not what i thought that was going to be about at all that's amazing Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so it's you know very trippy mind bending <laughs> and um but i'd noticed that there was a song in one of the episodes that i really like that i didn't i never even paid any attention to it but it was in a movie years ago that i loved called bottle rocket um and i just remember i saw that movie 50 times oh wow and so i knew the song very well i can remember the part of the movie that it's in and all of that but um i'd never heard it anywhere else and so i hear it in um russian doll and i thought made you know made me think about it look it up and like find it on my spotify and it's um, called Alone Again or, and it's by the band Love. Uh-huh. And then um, in Shining Girls, that song comes on. Oh, wow. And I was just like, What are well, the chances? I know. Like, what's, I guess maybe it's the same like music director or I something. I feel like there's some time travel incident happening because someone's I like, did, Oh, yeah. Chris will Google that song. We're going to go put it in another just show she's doing. watching just to mess Until with she her. Goes on yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> them do that than murder people with time travel. So, yes. yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> was like, Am I imagining that? <laughs> It was very strange. So, yeah. But it's a good song. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> um, let's see. So then, in a sort of related, um, I think I've mentioned this before, but um, I started watching a show that I don't know if I'm going to, how it's going to go. Oh, no. But it did grip me at first. It's called Outer Range. Oh. It's on Amazon. I did see that. Uh and thought about starting it, but then when I watched the trailer, it seemed supernatural, and I was like, yes. I'm not in a place for that today, and just didn't start it, started something else, but yeah. Well, when I saw, I hadn't seen a trailer, but I just saw, like, the, you know, banner for it or whatever, and it looks like a Western. Yeah, that's, and that's what, what I thought I, it so was. That, to yeah. me, I was like, I don't want to watch a Western. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the trailer, uh-huh. and it looked like sci-fi, so I was like, okay, I'll watch that. We go. So we yeah. did the opposite of that, but... Um, Josh Brolin plays this uh, rancher, and mm, he finds something inexplicable in his in his. Uh, As ranchers do occasionally, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. A hole that is time. 
Nice. Basically, anyway, we, well, I won't you give anything away. You keep messing with time in these books. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, <laughs> this is what's going on. I can't, I can't get out of it. Um, but so basically, there is a line in like one of the earlier episodes Josh Brolin delivers that I was like, I just have to repeat that. He's like trying to be intimidating and he's like, like yelling at this guy and you know he's like there are no fritos in that hole carl <laughs> and i just stopped it and i was like that who is writing that yeah. yes <laughs> okay so i don't know how this so show's now gonna go it's gonna be hard for me to take that show seriously because i'm gonna be waiting for that line yes. and disappointed when it doesn't come like anytime <laughs> soon yeah yeah no, you should you should watch it. I'm curious. I'm curious to know what anybody thinks about it because I kind of feel like I'm the only one that's watching it right Absolutely. now. Absolutely, nobody else I know is, so. <laughs> and it's weird. Um, so that made me kind of think of other mind-bending movies, uh-huh, uh-huh. and so I made a list. So I'm oh, curious cool. if you've seen these or yeah, if you have others. Um, Fight Club. Yes. Based on, a, on the novel. And I'm actually following a book talker right now that is uh, like going over books that, you know, the world considers masculine mm. and like retelling it in a different point of view kind of thing. Like, look, this is what happens in this book. If you look at it this way, and actually Fight Club was written by a queer man who was trying to show that men need to show their feelings more. You don't have to punch people in the face. You can yeah. actually discuss things and talk, and it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah, I yes. think that that's yeah. somebody who just watched the trailer. Oh, wow. That thinks that that's, <laughs> that, that thinks that that's about yeah, men. exactly. Or that it's masculine. Exactly. It's, it's very much yeah, not. Yeah. Exactly. It's that that is toxic. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to an extreme level. Exactly. Um, and then Memento. I, uh, Christopher Nolan's one of his first films. I don't think so. His first mainstream film. It's on your list. I promise you're going to want to watch it. Okay. Uh, Guy Pierce plays the main character. Oh. And he has no short-term memory. Oh. So every few minutes he just resets. It's a brand new day. And oh, he has goodness. to figure out ways to... He tattoos himself with important oh, things so that he knows yeah. I think I've read the book, maybe. If there, there's a book there Because it sounds like uh, a familiar uh, thing. Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Nolan, the brother, uh-huh. wrote it. Okay. And then they made the film out of it. Um, there's also 12 Monkeys. Yes. And there's also a TV series of 12 Monkeys. Which I haven't watched. I watched I like one wa- episode of it. I, I watched like two seasons of it. And then uh, the third season wasn't out available just to binge watch mm-hmm. yet and I was like I am going to come back to this the day it comes out and then I've forgotten about it and oh. when you just said I was like I need to find that third season this I was years agree. ago yeah. we need it to go was back really good I think it explains it more like mm-hmm. what is happening they have a lot more time absolutely uh I I really I mean I remember the movie obviously mm-hmm. uh but the tv series I've seen more recently and I I did like the tv series a yeah. lot well, and it's that, there's a lot of uh, references there because it's based on a short French film. Oh wow! Um, La Jette uh-huh. by Christopher Chris Marker, and uh, <laughs> you should probably look at that sometime too. Ooh. And then there was a I think I've talked about this before, but um, then there was a parody of that French film <laughs> called La Poupe, <laughs> which is like the doll, and so the character is it's not instead of it being a person, it's a stuffed animal. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but it all hinges on the like the final scene uh-huh. where you, everything is kind of revealed. Yeah, that's what comes from that short film. So nice. Um, also, the movie Seven. Yeah, got some 
why is this all Brad Pitt? I, I was just gonna say that's another. I'm one. gonna get out of the Brad Pitt section um, in a second. Um, I, I liked I liked Seven because it 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 was so suspenseful. Yeah, I I remember it vividly. Oh, yeah. I'm not even sure how old I was when I saw it, but it's like I I can remember parts of it so crisply today mm-hmm. because I was into that movie. Like yeah. I'm watching every second of this. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's really well done. Uh, and Inception is another one. Oh yes. Um, and I got lost in Inception. I think I yeah. just hit it on a bad day where I couldn't keep up with it just because I was just like, I shouldn't have watched this today. I, I watched it with other people who were commenting throughout it and, you know, kind of like being like, what are they doing now? Yeah. Where are they going? <laughs> and that, I had to watch it again. After yeah. That. I feel but, like I should give that movie another chance. Uh, yeah. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Um, Mulholland Drive. David yes. Lynch, obviously, is always uh, mind-bending. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, Primer is a movie that came out um, late 90s, early 2000s, no, early 2000s, and it was, like, shot for $7,000 in Dallas um, by, you know, this is, like, this guy's first film, um, and it's time travel, so we're back to that. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I don't, I I, I can't pull it into my It's worth watching. It doesn't come across, I mean, it doesn't look like a big Hollywood blockbuster, Uh but it doesn't come across as, like, you know, made in the garage or whatever, (laughs) and it kind of was. Yeah. Um, and then there's Donnie Darko, one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. Yes. And then there were two films that came out that were, like, competing against each other at the same time, The Prestige and The Illusionist. And uh-huh. they're both about illusionists, magician Magicians, people. Magicians, yes. Um, and there's I didn't things. see either one of them. The Prestige is better. Okay. But um, it has a twist. Big, oh. twi- big, big twist. Yeah. Nice. Um, Identity, which is a movie with... Um, a whole bunch of characters they all end up in this motel and somebody starts to kill them off and they have to figure out which one of them is doing it are they outside of las vegas it's out in the desert somewhere okay maybe i have seen that yeah yeah it's it's worth watching (laughs) um dark city is a futuristic sci-fi one which at the time it had the um shortest uh film rate or like the, the the scenes the individual scenes as it was cut together were the shortest in the history oh. of film at that point so it's basically so it's just, just cut, like blink cut. blink blink yes. blink blink oh yeah, wow it's kind of hard to watch actually <laughs> but um now i think we're probably more used to it but yeah 1999 or whenever that it was a it was crazy golly um then there's uh, vanilla sky which is based on a spanish film called Aurelos los ojos which is better film oh, than wow. vanilla sky with tom cruise in it but yeah i uh, i remember vanilla sky's advertising but i never saw it yeah i didn't go see tom cruise movies no. hardly ever no. <laughs> i watched it because i'd seen the original and, oh yeah that makes yeah, sense watch the original one <laughs> and then eternal sunshine of the spotless oh Mind. my god it's one of my top Absolutely. 10 favorite movies it's in my of all top time. 10 for sure. And it's so strange because Jim Carrey is not my favorite person, ever, never was, but I could watch that movie. I, I have watched it probably a hundred times, yeah. and we'll probably go home and watch it now just because we talked about mm-hmm. it. Cause I, cannot, I haven't watched it in a while, but yeah. yeah, I can never get enough of that movie. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Absolutely. And then just really quickly, The Fountain is another one. Um, very supernaturally mind-bending trippy i don't know all the words nice but it's it's about i don't want to say what it's about just, just watch it <laughs> it's hard to explain what Surprise. it's about yeah. yeah exactly is is it time travel mm. okay <laughs> mm. 
just you just watch it and then um interstellar which oh yeah is i didn't love it but it's also uh-huh. you know falls in that it. category i liked it yeah well so, um i i act like i watch movies and tv all the time but i read more than i do anything and now i've gotten lately that when i am watching tv i want to watch reality television mm. so the only thing that i would even say anything about right now is that I watched Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls. I it's wondered a, about that. Yeah, it's a dance competition to be on Lizzo's dance oh, team, like I, on I didn't stage. Know, I didn't know what that sing. was even about. Uh, it is wonderful. It it gives me vibes of British TV shows where everyone is nice to each other. Oh, that's and if what you're I not like. nice to each other, it's very obvious. And I mean, they are so supportive of each other. Lizzo, I'm all for that. Yeah, Lizzo is so wonderful, and she's like a real person, and she's that wonderful in real life. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, we're fixing to see a side of Lizzo we didn't want to see, but right. I loved every second of it, and just really, like, now I want to go to a Lizzo concert just mm-hmm. so I can see those dancers. Like, I was rooting for you the whole time kind of craziness, so uh, I, love I, dance, I loved dance it. shows, so I'm yeah. going to have to... Have and they're to amazing that. dancers. It, it's incredible, like, the, the routines and the things they have to learn how to do i'm just like well go go girl <laughs> you do it get up there and do yeah. it so oh good to know that i, did, yes. I didn't even it was another one of those that it just kind of goes past <laughs> like oh okay what is, what is that you can't really tell it's you know. happening yeah yeah okay good deal i'm excited about that now there we go and so then i have now i have some things that just are kind of mm, recommendations for things you should take a look at check out okay um the first is an app called lucid and it basically um is for visual learners Uh and so it takes it actually takes a lot of um articles and like main the main gist of a lot of books and a lot Uh of things that are out there and turns it into this like very engaging visual sort of show oh wow and i didn't know what to expect but then i went and looked at it and it's got like um you know, some very, like, the book um, Sapiens. Uh-huh. And it, it kind of gives you this guide to this book so that, you know, some of those things, like, especially. It's not so the, dense. Yes, it's very that's dense. That's the thing with nonfiction yeah. is that sometimes I just want, I want to get what's, what's your main point here? Yeah. I'm glad that you wrote 400 pages about <laughs> how you got to that. I don't really need that part. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, I'm not... An expert in that field, and I don't need to know it, but I want to know the new thing, you know. And so, very good for that. And it seems like it's kind of new, um, and they add stuff to it all the time. So I think it would be a great tool for people that don't normally read nonfiction or heavy books like that. And I was trying, like, the first 40 pages of a nonfiction book is my hardest part because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get into the book, and I can't just get in it. So if I could not get into it, go to Lucid, watch something about it, I'd be like, ooh, now I definitely want to read more. So yeah. that sounds great. Yeah, and I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but um, the stuff that I've looked at has been impressive. And so it kind of focuses on psychology, philosophy, history, um, science, technology, business, wow. just kind of a wide range of uh-huh. things. And so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm checking things out. Like, um, and then I've also, and I'm, I don't know where I'm coming up with these. I don't remember. <laughs> I just write everything down and then I just assume that it, I came across it somewhere. It, who knows? But there's also a website called Witch Book. 
Oh. And so, you know, people are always, like, that. why we're talking on this podcast, you know, people always trying to find, like, book talk. Yes. Ways to get good recommendations. Yes. And that is one of the most challenging and most rewarding things for a librarian. Oh, yeah. Is if we find, you know, like, somebody asks for something <laughs> and we find the right thing. Ah. Doesn't always happen. <laughs> And that y'all do it to yourselves with the encounter boxes. You include the option of having a librarian pick a book for you. And every time I do it, I'm like, they'll never top this book. And then the next month, I'm like, what? This is so good. Y'all always impress. No, not always. Thank you. Not always. They just don't remember the ones that that we get. But, um, you know, and some people, I have a friend, uh, Jim, who has been, he, every time he gets to come in or every time I see him, what you know tell me what to read tell, give me something to read he has never liked anything that i've oh no <laughs> and he's a, he's a, he wanted to branch out into fiction because he only ever read nonfiction. Uh-huh. and so he just didn't know like what am i gonna like in terms of fiction uh-huh. well we haven't found it yet so still still <laughs> working on that one um but in this on this website it's a unique take on it because there's lots of things like that that will give you like if you read this you'd like this uh it's one of my favorite book talk videos is when they do that where they're like oh if you liked this or even this tv show Mm -hmm. you should read this book i love those recommendations yeah usually they're pretty good Uh um but in this one it actually takes like different categories like mood and emotion oh a world map so you can like find if you want to read about some place and then character and plot and it has these little sliders so it's like conventional or or unusual and then you like move the slider closer or further away from something and or like um optimistic or bleak you know so they're just recommending the book that closest matches these things that you choose these categories that's amazing and it's almost like a book written to you know to your specifications that's awesome i what's the name of the site again which book which book okay nice not like which as in what w-i-t yes yeah like, which book will I read next? Right. There we go. And so I'm going to give it a, a shot. You know, I, think I don't know. I will too. It's very, because I, I, I've, you know, looked at it and played around with it, and I, but I didn't like, go seriously try to find something. Um, so, yeah, report back. Let I me will. know. I will. I'm going to, I will do the same. Because <laughs> um, I definitely do think about that. And we both actually talked about that uh-huh. today. Uh huh. Where, like, I'm not in the mood for this. Exactly. Whereas, you know, two weeks from now, I'll be, I'll watch every single thing or uh-huh. I'll read it in one sitting. Uh-huh. Um, but you just got to be in the right mood. So maybe they'll be able to tell you. Exactly. Then, again, I don't know where I came across this, but I found it so mind-boggling. And I don't even know why I find it mind-boggling. So maybe you can help uh, explain this. There is a, um, a mathematical rule. Mm-hmm. Called Capricar's constant, and not I'm not, I'm not anything near even like mathematician. It's like the opposite of what I am. yeah. But um, I'd never heard of that, and I don't come across things like that very often. That just like never even heard it uttered. Uh huh. Um, and so basically, it's a rule. It was this um, an Indian mathematician in the forties who came up with it. Um, and so you basically take any four digit number. And as long as it's not all the same number, like one, one, uh-huh. one, one, it has to have at least two, but any four digit number otherwise. And then you take the, the number in ascending order and descending order 
and subtract one from the other. Yeah. And then you do that with the next resulting four-digit number. Take the ascending and descending and subtract it. Eventually, within seven tries, you will always get the number 6174. Well. <laughs> I don't and, believe you. I'll have to do it myself. Do it. I have it written down. <laughs> Can no, see, yeah. I can't. I, I, my yeah. brain and math don't go together, but this is Maybe something I would feel compelled to do just to prove them wrong. And then it to would find one. Yeah, it would be and like, then your yeah, brain melts. Exactly. That's kind of how I felt. I was just, like, I think that's why? amazing. I think it's that's weird. amazing. Like yeah. that does make me think that there's codes and numbers that we don't understand now. Right? <laughs> Here I go. Yeah, Here I go no. down the rabbit hole. Thanks, Crystal. <laughs> We know what kind of books you're going to be reading for the next few weeks. But I, and then, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, most of math is mystical to me. That's so true. So why did this really capture my imagination and make me think, oh, that, why is, that's so weird? Yeah. I don't know. Well, it is weird. Yeah. And, and it, it's compelling because now I, I want to know more about it too. And yeah. I can't wait to start jotting down numbers to test it with. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we'll we'll end on that note. Absolutely. And if somebody else can figure out why that's significant or not, or <laughs> you're just idiots because we'll we just, just turn don't it under, over understand to people it enough, smarter than ourselves. That, I there love to go. do that every yeah. day. Just somebody <laughs> explain this to me, please, because <laughs> it's weird. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. No, for thank to you. Do this. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was wonderful as always. I feel like we're just having a great conversation about books we've read. It doesn't. That's seem why like I love else. doing this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I don't know who's out there besides you. <laughs> there <laughs> and are a couple other people. You listening, have your but... fan base. You definitely have it. The Bodice Rippers proved that. <laughs> that was your fan base, I'm afraid. But. <laughs> Let's have to call use something some term like that uh-huh. in the title of everything. Yes, maybe that's what it was. Exactly. No. Maybe. No, <laughs> they're going to tune in to find out your recommendations this week. Well, I hope so because I did enjoy a lot of those books. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to sign off. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.